buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 14. Today we're going to chat with Lance Bolin from Platinum 10 Medical, make a prank call to rubber dummies, talk about Vern Miller tourniquet holsters, and answer a question from one of our listeners. Today's panel is Sean Heron from We Like Shooting. Hello. Lacey Lane from the Lane family. Do I really have to have that title? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm Ava Flannell. How's everyone doing today? Great. Good. I'm doing pretty good, but there's like a giant gummy bear on the desk and it's... It's a gummy worm. It's making me a little uncomfortable. It, it, it makes everyone uncomfortable. Bring that over here, Lacey. Like, what is this thing? This uh, was a birthday gift. Um... <laughs> How big would you say this is, Sean? I would say it's seven feet long. Okay, but really it's like three feet long. But you know, guys, they they don't really, they're not very good with the measurements. Yeah, so they always, for some reason, guys always think things are larger than what they really are. So my question is, is that to eat or is it for oh, other I'm, purposes? No, I'm totally eating it. Okay, good. And I might be using it for other purposes. I just hope you do it in that order. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Before we get into things, let's talk about our first advertiser. That is Huntac Gear, H-U-N-T-A-C Gear.com. Uh, Lacey, surprise. Surprise. What, we were, did, what did she get, Ava? Okay, let's hear. Well, okay, so we were waiting for the show uh, to tell you. And unfortunately, I didn't bring your surprise because it was Aww. just one of those mornings. But drop the ball. Nope, here uh, it is. It's an air freshener. Yay! <laughs> From Are you telling here. me that I stink? I showered this morning, okay? Moving on. <laughs> so what did she get? All right, so Hunt Tech Gear sent you your very own handguard upper, and he may or may not have sent you a foregrip, because I'm not sure it was wrapped in bubble wrap, and it's not my <laughs> present to open, it's yours, so we're not sure. But so when it's put together with blue masking tape, <laughs> you'll know we didn't open it. I'm just stoked about the upper. It's all good. It is going to be and awesome. The, and the handguard, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, if it's there, you said you're not sure if it's no, there. No, 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 no. The, the foregrip isn't there? Yeah. Oh, the handguard and the upper is there. So you have that really nice, sexy, skeletonized. V1 series. It, Love it. Just immaculate. Makes any gun look beautiful. Yeah. So they've done some really clever design work, uh, taking a lot of unnecessary weight out. These things are light, very light. The design aesthetic is carried through from the handguard to the upper. Mm-hmm. Um I, I love mine. I've got it. I shot it this weekend, in fact. And uh, I know you'll love them, too. So go check them out. Huntac Gear, H-U-N-T-A-C Gear.com. But look, it's hunting season. If you're a hunter, go check out their Orion chest rig. It's blaze orange. It's got tons of pockets for all the snacks, which is important to Actually, me. Actually, yeah. So um, <laughs> speaking of, recently we just put a YouTube video where Sean and I are wearing a onesie. Mm-hmm. Not the um, same onesie. <laughs> Yeah, that would be uncomfortable. I I did look. I've had better days. Uh, But anyway, so Sean was wearing the Orion chest rig by Huntat Gear. And my unicorn. You were able to fit all of the white cake snacks, all of the chocolate cake snacks. In different pockets. All of the cinnamon Mm -hmm. snacks. Yeah. And you even had that gummy worm. No, I did not. <laughs> you had the gummy worm. You Don't had it lie, in Sean. your onesie. Oh, that wasn't it a gummy, wasn't gummy in my, worm. It, it wasn't in the onesie. Shh. <laughs> anyway, moving Thank on. Thank you, Jake. I've heard of guys stuffing, but Sean, <laughs> you've reached the next level. I know. <laughs> 
Check out Huntac Gear, H-U-N-T-A-C gear.com and use coupon code GUNFUNNY15 to receive 15% off of your order. Uh, let's get to our guest, guys. I'm super, yeah, so super talking, excited. Talking about our guest, he didn't even laugh about the worm joke. <laughs> well, I, I think honestly, I, did, but <laughs> I think he had a straight face because he was on Google and he's like, "Where do I find that? You know, that, uh, <laughs> where's that worm at?" <laughs> he was in solidarity uh, for me because you guys were mocking me. But let's okay. get into it. And now he's turning red. I know it's black and white, but he's turning red right now. <laughs> it's actually my lights. I can. I can. <laughs> All right, let me play this audio. Mm. Then we can see we can turn red. So. Oh, nice. Much better. <laughs> Learn the things you never knew on deconstructing the industry. So I'll start us off. Uh, Lance, tell us about <laughs> Platinum 10 Medical. Well, it's uh, Platinum 10 Medical. Um, it was actually born from the firearms industry. So I own a company called FastOC, that's Firearms Safety Training, Orange County. And one of the courses that I taught was range safety officer. And being out as a range safety officer, working on the ranges, being a safety officer for IDPA, uh, being involved in competition as a competitive shooter myself, it's, it's always the concern. People are moving fast. Um, there, there are negligent discharges. They're, they're, uh, in fact, we had a tragedy here about a year ago uh, with an Ipsic shooter that was that was killed on a local range. Uh, not due to any fault of the competition, it was actually uh, an external influence that, that killed him. It was somebody on another range shot a rifle round that went over the berm yeah. and um, and struck him in just about the worst worst place possible. And um, investigation is still kind of going ongoing on it, but it kind of brought to life that there's nobody teaching this stuff. Um, there, the organizations, when you think of first responder, you think of somebody in a uniform, you know, you're thinking of the law enforcement officer, you're thinking of the firefighter, uh, paramedic or an ambulance worker, like an EMT, but we don't think of first responders as, you know, myself, yourself, or the people around us. So bringing that information from a high level and a professional level down to the regular civilian, uh, the lay person, the person on a job site, the person on a range was, was critical. Um, we want to draw a contrast between first aid, which is, you know, scrapes, cuts, bruises, broken bones, things that may not even be life altering. And then introducing education to somebody that addresses issues that are life ending or life altering. So, we went out, uh, we formed the organization, um, born from the other one. In fact, if you ever look at the logos, they're identical uh, with, with a minor modification. And we, uh, we started pursuing that course of professional education, credentialed and certified education. So we went with an organization called NAEMT, uh, National Association of Emergency Medical Technicians. Um, we have two medical directors now, so we have two doctors, uh, Dr. Zuliger and Dr. Bobko, that supervise our medical training. Uh, all of our instructors are all certified, uh, all the way up to TCCC, um, TECC, and LEAFers. And we bring that to not only our law enforcement partners, but also um, just the regular Joe that, that feels the need to take a class that doesn't want to be a bystander anymore, that wants to be able to engage in a situation provide the right treatment with the right with the right knowledge that backs it up yeah i think that's actually very important so when a student gets to your class can we talk about just like what should they expect and well i guess maybe we'll just talk about your course offerings first what do you offer 
We offer, we have two different uh, organizations that we offer classes through. One is in, in AEMT and the other one is First Care Provider, which is jo- uh, Dr. Josh Bobko's organization. And the, um, there's one that kind of goes down more of a professional line, looking at law enforcement, looking at military with TECC and TCCC, and then another line that goes down first care provider that's for the educator, um, for the stay-at-home parent, for somebody that just works in an office. That those, you know, earthquakes happen. Uh, unfortunately, workplace violence happen, and it doesn't always have to involve a firearm. Uh, stabbings happen. Um, we've seen people that have opened themselves up on a filing cabinet that it becomes a life-threatening injury and it needs to be addressed just like a traumatic, uh, like a combat wound. So when they come into the class, depending on which uh, course offering they're deciding to go into, I tell them, the very first thing I tell them is don't wear something that you don't want to get messy. Um, we run through scenarios. You will get blood sprayed on you. Um, you're going to be down on the ground putting tourniquets. You're going to be trying to move 185-pound dummies. Uh, you're going to be put into stressful situations to show that with the course, the, the education that you receive, that you're going to be able to employ this properly under the conditions that you're actually going to face out there. How? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were going to, ah. hey, we're always finishing each other's. Sushi. There, there you go. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> go ahead, Ava. Uh, Well, how do the students react to these stressful situations, which I think it's imperative that they know this, but, uh, you know, I mean, do you ever have students that just have breakdowns and they can't handle it? Yes. Yes, we've seen it. Um, We've had students, the, we use a simulated blood. So I'll just talk about that for a moment. Um, It's warm. It feels like real blood. It looks like real blood. We've had students that have seen cuts and scrapes and bruises and, you know, you put a Band-Aid on it, but they've never seen the arterial bleeding Mm -hmm. where it's their hands are in it. Their hands are starting to get sticky. It's warm. There's a sensation. And we've had students retch. We actually had our first student throw up. Um, We're we're proud of that. The we've had students lock up that uh, we call turtling that under stress that they'll 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 go down on the knees and they'll, they'll go into a posture under just very simple stress. So. Being able to get a student to push past that is not a hard challenge. It's educating them, telling them, you know, this is what you have to do. Do your primary survey. Look for that massive bleeding. Get a tourniquet on it. Get pressure on it. Let's go to the next step. Um, it becomes overwhelming. We And we do work our students up to an overwhelming stimulus, but not pushing them into the black. Let's, you know, if we're going to go with a color code. Yeah. Uh, we don't want to create negative training scars with our students. We want our students to be encouraged. We want to let them know that you do have the tools, you have the expertise now to address these situations that we put in front of you. I think that's hugely important. Would you say that the scenario-based training is part of what you guys offer that, that a lot of people, A, may not offer or B, don't do correctly? It's Well, one, it's critical. And I'm seeing a lot of uh, companies that go out there, they'll get a sand dummy and you'll put a tourniquet on. Okay. Yes. It's, it's the same tactile sensation of, of placing a tourniquet properly on the leg and cranking it down and, um, and applying the pressure with a windlass where a lot of that falls short is you're not going to put a tourniquet on a clean wound. If they're, if they're getting a tourniquet, it's because they're bleeding. And when you introduce, uh, when you're starting to introduce fluids, when you're introducing movement, because if somebody's hurt but not unconscious, uh, tourniquets hurt. 
If you put a tourniquet on properly, it hurts. They're going to respond to it. Now you're introducing blood. You've lost your ability to grip something. Um, you start trying to put pressure. They're starting to scream. And you're starting to get a, a real-life example of what's going to happen when you face a traumatic injury. A civilian comes to your class, uh, obviously we're going to do a lot of scenario. Like, how do you break it down? What's, what's the amount of classroom, lecture time, uh, as opposed to practical exercises and scenarios? We do about 60-40. Uh, if uh, we go through a lecture, it's, uh, it's not death by PowerPoint. I know a lot of people fear that. But there's pertinent information that does need to be up on the board that we do need to discuss. Throughout that, we're going to have our didactic skills. So we're going to talk about tourniquets. Why is tourniquet important? Why is stopping blood flow important? Why does the human body need blood? Giving them an in-depth understanding of why we need to keep that in the body. Um, and then we'll hit them with, um, you know, we've got the megaphone and it's, you know, tourniquet, left arm, go, go, go. You've got 20 seconds. How long does it take to bleed out from, uh, from arterial bleed? So we start pushing them and introducing them into graduating levels of stress all the way up into their scenarios. And we'll run three or four scenarios in a six to eight hour course that's relevant and pertinent to the, the course material being covered. Uh, we also like to interview our students and say, well, what do you do? Well, well, I'm an office worker. I'm an office worker. I work in a high school. I work here and gear those scenarios towards what they may actually face. So with uh, with recent mass shootings, why do you think that it's important for civilians to have this training? It's important. One, it's, it's saving a life. Um, and everybody wants to I know everybody wants to talk about Las Vegas. And Las Vegas was a scenario that the people that you saw in the photos and the, the, the you know, the cell phone videos were first responders, whether they wanted to be or not. And as we look back and we were, we're identifying these people, they actually were first responders. Uh, we personally know five different individuals that work for local um, fire and EMS that were there that were responding. Um, and those are going to be on our podcast, by the way. We've already got them lined up. Hopefully, uh, episode four and five will will include that information, as well as uh, one of the chaplains from a local fire agency that had to go out there and, and start helping some of the EMS workers from what they saw. So, so those are some things coming up for us. Uh, it's important because... You know, uh, care under fire, and and that's the that's an advanced class. It is. It's T triple C. It's not mm -hmm. something that you would usually see most civilians taking. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll get your tactical Tommies out there that want to take it, and I think it's awesome. Uh, it's good information, but care under fire is something that I hope we don't start seeing in the United States. Um, you know, Vegas and Sutherland is obviously proving me wrong on that, but we want to see the proper treatment for the proper proper wound move to the next guy. Um, there's 44,000 preventable deaths a year from trauma that could be addressed. And 98% of those are from bleeding to death. So at a bare minimum, taking bleeding control, learning the proper techniques with the proper tools, I think is critical to get that information out there. Yeah. I mean, phases of care, I think are important either way, care under fire or whatever, but I mean, we're established tactical, tactical supremacy, whether that's run away or shoot, shoot back, whatever that happens to be, and then consider hemorrhage control. I mean, I think are the basically the two goals in care under fire. I think that's important no matter no matter what situation you're in. Uh, let's talk about phases of care for civilians. Do you teach you know the the T triple C phases of care, or do you go to like a TECC direct threat, indirect threat, or do you do, just use some kind of amalgamation uh, of your own? No, we kind of you know we if we're teaching an AMT, we we follow with. Um, 
with a March algorithm. If we're with uh, FCP, we're teaching a care algorithm. Um, our big thing is, you know, identify life-threatening injuries, uh, initiate aqua, uh, you know, your, your adequate supportive therapy, uh, your treatment, and then uh, get your organization to, to, to get that person moved to a place where they can either be picked up or treated by further EMS. And that's what we're looking at as we move through TCCC and we start getting under care under fire and we go hot zone, warm zone, cold zones and getting that patient moved or even uh, a down shooter drill that it's, you know, the mission comes first. Uh, it's not something a civilian will typically see, you know, they don't have a mission. Their mission is to save their own lives or save the lives of their loved ones. So every approach in every class is a little bit different. Everybody wants to know what to do, you know, and we go with, you know, it's, it's whether it's, you know, address the massive hemorrhage, address the airway. Um, if you go all the way down to our very basic class, which is bleeding control, uh, hemorrhage control, that's uh, part of the Stop the Bleed campaign, it is put a tourniquet on, pack it with, you know, pack it with gauze and put pressure on it. And that's where the class stops. And that's, that's your number one killer. Uh, we're talking about, you know, 200 milliliters a second of blood loss. Uh, from a patient that has an arterial bleed and at, at a minute, they're pretty much unsalvageable. Yeah. You know, you're going to end up going to your next person. So um, going on with that, do you think it's important that everyone carries a med kit with them? And also, if so, what type of kit do you think they should carry on a, on an everyday basis? Oh, so th this was, this was episode three for us. You're going to love it. Uh, we get controversial with this. Um, it's actually called uh, trauma kit or trauma shit. And that's what we called it because <laughs> Love it. everybody's selling the same thing. If you go to, um, you know, if you go down to your local tactical store and they've got a tourniquet in it, what tourniquet is it going to be? You've got about three choices. You're going to have a, a, a soft tee. Uh, some people carry the SWAT tee, um, but the big one, cat tourniquet. Um, you know, rats are so there you go. And um, so everybody has either cell locks. Or they've got quick clot. You may have the sponge, but everybody's looking for the gauze. If you're looking for compressed gauze, it's North American Rescue's compressed gauze. Mm -hmm. It's all the same stuff. It really is. The big thing about your trauma kit is knowing how to properly use the tools. How many times have you heard, you know, oh, well, I carry tampons in my uh, my trauma kit. <laughs> Too many times, man. Too many times, right? Somebody and they have absolutely that recently. No idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's utterly useless. They don't understand that you can pack... 12 feet of gauze in a bullet hole. <laughs> right, not four inches. Uh, there's no surface not, area yeah, in the tampon. Not, not something that long. So uh, Four inches. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, four inches, right? So, <laughs> so you have, you know, everybody sells the same stuff. It's, it's all about the training that goes behind it. Now, we can get into compact versus comprehensive. Compact is, well, I'm going to carry this with me everywhere I go. It's like your CCW gun. You know, nobody carry. Well, there's a few that, but not most people don't carry a 500 Smith and Wesson, or they're not <laughs> carrying a, uh, you know, a Desert Eagle around for a carry gun. Why? It's just too much. But having a trauma kit, having an ankle kit, I think is awesome. Uh, we call them, you know, executive executive protection or close protection kits. Is something that's discreet. It's you're not you're not wearing a great big bag on your hip that starts making people ask questions about you. Um, but again, it depends on your environment. If you're out at the range. Yeah, I, I have a full-blown uh, you know, intermediate or advanced kit. Um, if I'm in my car, I carry a basic kit. It's something that's going to treat myself or somebody in my family or a, you know, a passerby that's been involved in a traffic accident. Uh, if we're out you know, backpacking, 
where I'm on an extended uh, hike, then yeah, we're, we're taking a stop bag with us or what we call a Montana bag that uh, that's going to carry multiple casualties. So, but you know, what do you need to carry? Well, first thing is I would say address the bleeding control, Mm -hmm. you know, a minimum tourniquet. Um, If you can put gauze in there or a hemostatic agent, uh, you know, that would, that would be along with there. And, uh, I, I promote the Israeli, but more so I promote the Persis Medical T3, and that's what uh, that's what we carry. What would you say are so the at best? A very very minimal. What no. are the best ways oh, sorry, for sorry. what What are the best ways to carry a kit on a person? Well, again, it's um, you know, are you trying to be discreet? Uh, you know, there's there's a different like if you're going to walk into a concert, that's getting searched. That's getting searched. It's one more thing for you to carry. Um, you know, we're in California, so the man bag is kind of a thing out here. So, you know, you have a place <laughs> that you can easily carry and put your stuff in there. But if, you know, your suit and tie, if, you know, you're you're not in a situation to carry something over your shoulder, carry something on your belt, then you're looking at, uh, you know, basically an ankle holster or something somewhere that you can put that in a pocket. Um, I'm typically most days I'm 5'11 compliant. So I've got cargo pockets or I've got my backpack with me. And I carry my kids in there. Five eleven compliant. I've never heard that. Compliant. Yeah, it's see, awesome. So one thing that I do want to know: um, Have you ever dealt with somebody who suffered from PTSD, and maybe like the blood and the gore and all that? It um, it's it's tough. It's difficult for them to deal with. How would you get around training somebody um, to have you know? so that they can educate themselves on how to use a tourniquet and all the proper uh, medical supplies, but without kind of triggering that PTSD. Yeah. Well, you know, that's what, what's, what may be a stimulus overload or a sensory overload for us. Um, that threshold's a lot lower. And, and we've had um, a couple people that come through our classes that that threshold of a photograph of blood or a photograph of a graphic injury is enough to, to overload that stimulus for them. And, and like anything else, you just kind of walk them into it slowly. You know, you remind them what's the end goal. What's the end goal We're we're trying to save lives. Um, and if it, if it gets too much, then yeah, you have, you have to turn the volume down. You have to separate them from the situation and find out what's going on. We're not, we're not therapists. Uh, we're not psychologists and, you know, we've all dealt with things in our own way, but, when we see this, when we see this in our classroom, we do, we, we make that break. We are like, you know, do we need to let you spin down, you know, come back off the cliff a little bit? Um, you know, think about what our, what our end goals are in mind and, and reintroduce you. Sometimes it's, it's enough of having them control the stimulus mm-hmm. instead of an arterial bleeding, blood spraying out and them trying to control it is have them like, this is, it's just regular, it's just simulated blood. This is what it is. It's going to clot up. It's going to look real. Um, but, actually kind of let them just work their way into it and get past that stimulus that it's not what this looks like. It's, you know, it's, it's just a synthetic blood. It's just a synthetic wound. And some of the dummies that we, that we use are a little shocking. Um, it, it's traumatic injury. There's uh, you know, that jerky effect. There's a lot of uh, tendon hanging out, a lot of meat hanging out and it can be shocking for someone who's never seen this in real life or never even seen videos of it in real life. Absolutely. So you have made mention a couple times about a podcast, but I think this is the actual official announcement of that. Why don't you tell us about it? It is. So uh, thanks to Sean and the Firearms Radio Network, uh, we now have the Platinum 10 Medical Podcast. And it uh, we, we have a, we've already got 
I think our first 12 episodes lined up. We've recorded our first three. And uh, right now, uh, it's myself, a gentleman by the name of Juan Perez, who's a captain with the local fire authority. Uh, He's our course site director for Platinum 10. Uh, He's on the show, Chris Hymie, who's also a firefighter paramedic who uh, attended the episodes one, two, and three. We've got those in the can. And as I said, when you contacted me, I was uh, in the process of actually editing those. And uh, we... um, we, we want to get the information out. Obviously, we don't want to try to make it a commercial for Platinum 10 Medical, but we want to get out there and say, you need to find instructors that are credentialed, that do have the certifications, that have jumped through the hoops, that have a doctor that backs them up, that um, doesn't have the reverse approach of marketing, meaning like, here's our medical kits, but we do training. It's We're a training organization. And we'll offer you, you know, we do have the kits available to you. Honestly, we're hesitant. Uh, we do have a store. I'm not even going to put that out there that we offer to our students. Uh, it's a huge liability to put tools in the hands of untrained or mistrained or undereducated students and just turn them loose into the wild. Uh, one of the big things, ARS needles, decompression needles yeah. for um, needle forecostomy is people think it's a Pulp Fiction style, you know, like you're going to plant this thing in the chest. There's going to be a hiss of air and they're going to come back to it's, it's not that way. I mean, it's, it's three and a half inches of steel Yep. that three and a half inches, right. Of steel. Exactly. That you're shoving into somebody's chest. It's not to be taken lightly. If properly trained, it's something that you can do, but it requires the tools to properly train a student. Where's that third rib? How do we get into that plural space? What's the technique to roll it off of that rib and get it in there without, you know, shoving this thing into somebody's aorta or, you know, uh, even worse. So those are things that we make available to our students once they've shown a certain proficiency and once they're certified. Because once you go beyond this, now we're talking law and we're talking legal liability. If we send a a student out into the wild or somebody purchases this kit and they haven't been trained under a certifying authority and they apply treatment, they're no longer under the Good Samaritan law in the state of California. They think they are. And we've talked to people that have gone through, no joke, a 45-minute gunshot wound class, 45 minutes that think that they'd be able to properly apply it. And they was like, oh, well, they told us to pack gauze. Well, in certain spots, yeah, you'd pack. Oh, no, no, in the chest. No, <laughs> no, no, no. That's not how that works. This is how that works. How much gauze but, would you have to pack into the pool? Maybe pearl a tampon space? size? It, it's going to look like, <laughs> like, like one of the big Costco toilet rolls. Yeah, you know, exactly. That you're going <laughs> to just keep packing. 300 so, yards of gauze. Four inches of tampons. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I, I, I've heard of a lot of different kinds of pneumothorax, but I've never heard of a gauze pneumothorax. Exactly. And that was, it was a blanket thing, 45 minutes. So just pack gauze into the wound. It doesn't matter where the gunshot is. Just pack gauze into it until it firms up and then put pressure. Okay. Had that treatment actually been done on somebody with, uh, that suffered a gunshot wound, think about the legal ramifications for that student. And then think about the legal ramifications for the instructor. So as we move forward and we always champion people that are, uh, that are doing it right. Uh, We want that education out there, but we want people that are being treated um, to get the proper treatment. You know, it's like the, you know, people are saying, well, you can't make them any more dead. Well, you can, if they're still alive, right. you know, you can save a life or, or you can kind of hurry that along to, to their demise. So let's, let's, let's start doing it right. And that's the thing is negligence requires three points to be proven. And one of those is exceeding your scope of training. Uh, and that's in pretty much any state. 
Uh, Good Samaritan laws are there to protect us and stop us from acting if we need to act, but they're not going to protect us from negligence. And that that's what people don't understand. Exactly. And it's and it's instructed negligence that you have been improperly instructed. Um, One of the great things about having backing like this is that as these wounds come in, as they go through the EMTs, as they go into paramedics, as they go to the, the ATLS surgeon, and he's able to redistribute that information back down, is we have the access to that network that says, you know what, stop putting quick clock crystals in wounds because we have to go in there and debride the wound and wash that out. So let's start using a hemostatic gauze. It's a lot easier for us to get out. Um, hey, use something that's uh, radio opaque that we can find on an X-ray because we've lost a few, uh, you know, hemostatic gauzes in the in the chest cavity or in the abdominal cavity or wherever that wound was. So that information comes up and comes down. It's not relying on somebody that, oh, I was uh, and, and God bless our military. I served in the Marine Corps as well, but came out of uh, you know ACLS school and uh, that was 15 years ago or 10 years ago, and that's their last education that it's it's you know every six months every three months we have to update um you know our our credentials every six months in a year so that it's critical that we're getting new information if we go back 10 years think about the technology and tourniquets oh god absolutely like how much we've advanced in a decade yeah so would you um have you noticed like an increase in uh kits and classes um as far as demand goes and if so um or if not how would you how would you recommend getting more people involved? Let's go over the first part. Um, I'm seeing more and more in, uh, when I teach firearms, people coming in with their own kits. The challenge I see with that is they they ordered the kit offline, um, and it, and that's it. That's that's the last step. You know, oh, we've got some YouTube videos up on our website, and this is how to do it the there's no staging kind of your file cabinet of treatments in your medical kit you know the first thing that should be accessible is your is your tourniquet you know it's your massive bleeding get that in your next thing is going to be your airway where's your chest seal where's your ars needles uh and and you should be able to file through your medical kit as it's set up that way so that you can address the traumas in the order that you need to address them in the order of severities and I'm seeing more and more of them come into kits, and, and there's some there's some cool ones out there, I'll tell you. But when it really gets down to it, it's a really cool bag, but yeah. it's all the same stuff. Yeah. Right. So it sounds like it's not so difficult to get people to invest in the medical kit. It sounds like it might be more difficult to get them in the classes and get them educated. How often do we see that in firearms? <laughs> How often do we see that? Oh, here's my new, you know, uh, USPSA open gun, and, and it's really cool, and it's a 30,000th, uh, you know, pull on the trigger, and um, and it gets down, and it's, well, what classes have you taken? Oh, well, well, none. You know, or somebody that goes out and buys that $1,500 AR. Like, did you take a rifle class? Well, no. I spent all my money on the on the rifle. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, that's 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 pretty cliche. I think that uh, we can say that firearms training is important and medical training is important. In your list of priorities, which would you say is the most important? Between the two? Yes. You're going to see dun. more trauma. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. I'll ask. There's there's four of us here. Um, how many people have seen a traumatic injury? Me. <laughs> okay. So 25%. Okay, so now we're at 75%. Shut up, Sean. You're just trying to be cool. (laughs) Shut up and don't embarrass me in front of my friends. (laughs) So 75% of the four people sitting here right now have seen a traumatic injury or have experienced it. How many people have shot somebody? 
Uh, I'm not allowed to talk about oh, that shit. under advisement oh, of my God. lawyer. <laughs> okay. Zero. So, One. I don't so know. See, okay. So you see that the likelihood of you experiencing being a participant or being a witness to a traumatic injury is much higher than being a participant or being a witness to a traumatic shooting. Mm -hmm. So I rely very heavily on the medical. Um, I wouldn't put one above the other because when it comes time to use either one, you better know how to do it. I agree with that. And you better know how to do it right. Uh, There are laws that protect us to a certain degree about us applying medical treatment to somebody, uh, implied consents and good Samaritan and all of these components. But the moment you use your firearm, you're an adversary of the judicial system. Mm-hmm. The moment you pull the trigger. So I would say intensive instruction on both. But if I had to pick one between the two, I think I'm going to go with the medical side, even though I'm you know, as a training counselor with the NRA. We teach CCW. Um, you know, we do have an expansive offering of firearms classes that I still rely very heavily on the medical. Absolutely. And then finally, so we will have the Platinum 10 Medical Podcast launching on the Firearms Radio Network, which Gun Funny is a a part of the Firearms Radio Network. That'll be coming out uh, probably within the next week or two. I hope. I hope as as soon as I get this edited and uh, uh, get this sent up to you, we're going to go live. We look forward to it. That's exciting, man. So we in schools, we teach uh, sex ed and we do fire drills and things like that. Like, how do you think how do you think we can get more schools involved or do you think it would even be important to get schools involved with some kind of traumatic training? Uh, you know, maybe tourniquets, maybe March protocol, things like that. Do you think it's important? And how do you suggest we go about that? Hold on. I have to interrupt for a second. I mean, how, even after the sex ed, how many guys actually know how to put on a condom? <laughs> What's a condom? <laughs> okay. And then I'm going to interrupt at the college level, even when you're taking anatomy and physiology, they don't teach it. So like I'm learning about where all these um, veins and organs, everything is <laughs> like everything. Like there's a cadaver Did you just in front learn of where me. the penis is too. No. <laughs> no, there's a there's a cadaver in front of me, but I never learned how to properly pack a wound. Yeah, I was like, I don't think you're supposed to put a condom on a cadaver. <laughs> yeah, or pack a wound on a cadaver. It's a little too late. Probably go to the next right, one, exactly. Know? I'm really glad that you mentioned the sex ed because this is. Uh, there is a hesitation in the American education system, and we faced it, um, with teaching kids how to treat trauma and how to treat traumatic injuries. Uh, the argument almost borderlines what we've heard with sex ed. Well, if you teach kids how to put on condoms, they're going to go out and have sex more. It doesn't mean that if you teach kids trauma that you're burnishing or tarnishing their innocence. And that's how we've seen the resistance to this type of education on, and we started at a sixth grade level. Uh, FCP was written to be understood at a sixth grade level. That they, well, I don't want to introduce my kids to that. You know, I want to shield them and I want to protect them from the things that happened in Vegas. I want to, well, what would protect them is the ability to save their life, to save the life of someone next to them. That's protecting them. That's protecting our society. We, you know, we want to think on a global scale. That's what we need to think about. We need to get that information out there and we need to do it right. And there is a pushback and it's not all the way up through college. It's not taught until you get into a specialty that requires it. And that's one of the things, the, the low hanging fruit concept of first aid. You look at, well, everybody runs out, they take a two-day course, and they're a a CPR AED first aid instructor. Well, that's enough. 
So if you become a teacher, what's required? Well, in the state of California, you have to have your American Red Cross or your American Heart Association CPR card. Well, how many people actually die from CPR? I'm sorry, actually die from, from cardiac arrest and are successfully revived because of efforts for CPR? Outside of a hospital, it's 3%. But stopping massive trauma within the first 10 minutes is 98%. So we're teaching the wrong thing because it's low-hanging fruit. Well, you can do it online. They have, you can get your CPR card online now, but you can't get this training online. It's, it's, it's more expensive. It's a little bit more difficult to achieve. It requires uh, you know a little bit higher skill level than, okay, we're going to pump on the chest for you know 15 compressions and reevaluate. They don't want to address it. They don't want to address it. And it's the things that are killing. It's killing our kids and it's it's killing the citizens of our country because people don't want to take those steps. Yeah. Very well put. Uh, Lance is from Platinum 10. You can find them at Platinum10.com, the host of the upcoming Platinum 10 medical podcast on the Firearms Radio Network. Lance, thank you so much for joining us. This was very awesome. Thank you. Uh, My pleasure. Can you stick around for a few? You still got a little bit? I, I sure will. I'll, I'll hang out here. Uh, Ava, it's well, nice to finally meet my neighbors. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. Why don't you tell Lance what we do next on this show? All right. So um, I don't know if you've even you've even watched the show before. We asked you to be a guest, but um, so it's not all seriousness. And I don't know if you gathered that, but don't let our our serious uh, demeanor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't let the professional vibe that we put out. <laughs> <laughs> As Sean swigs a bunch of whiskey. All right. Well, coming on next. Thanks for that, Sean. (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome. We do do prank calls in our spare time. And the prank calls this week, I think. we. Oh, he's got shooters. Is that fireball? Yes, it was. (laughs) Perfect. I knew I picked good neighbors. Yay. (laughs) All right. Hello, can I borrow some fireball? (laughs) I need to borrow a cup of fireball. All right. uh, This is our prank call segment. Let's, Let's do this. It's time for Prank Calls with Malcolm and Gertrude. Honey! Finally, someone other than me sounds like an idiot. <laughs> uh, let's let's do this. I, I We'll set it up just a little bit. Rubber Dummies, uh, good friends of mine, uh, and we prank called them, and it was amazing. Here we go. Hello? Um, so I, I recently bought one of your rubber buddies and um, I brought it to the range and I thought that it would help, uh, you know, to uh, to greatly improve my uh, my bullseyes. But every time I'm hitting the paper, it's like it's just going everywhere. Like I don't have any bullseyes. And I was just wondering um, if you had any advice or if there was something that maybe I was doing wrong, because for, for whatever reason, it's really not increasing my accuracy. Okay. Um, so I'm not quite sure um, where you're going. So, so you're using the rubber dummy during your training, but then when you shoot paper, you're not as accurate. Uh huh. That's correct. Okay. Um, what type of shooting are you doing? There's there's all kinds of different types of shooting, and, and I know that's kind of a random question, but so um, um, so I take my buddy with me, my rubber buddy, and um, I, I I have it. I sit it right next to me, and I shoot at the the bullseye and I thought that you know buying this rubber buddy that it would help me uh it shows that you know I I read on the website that it helps with the accuracy and 
uh, I was just wondering, you know, I, it really hasn't. It hasn't helped with the accuracy, and and I really, I have, I have no idea. I mean, it's, it, the, I mean, if anything, the the rubber buddy, it's giving me the confidence that I need, but it's not really, it's not showing on the paper, you know. Are you shooting at the dummy also? Oh no, 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 no. I I paid a hundred and fifty dollars for the rubber buddy. I'm not <laughs> shooting at the right. No, I. No, in fact, in fact, actually, it's funny because my husband, he hates that I bring the rubber buddy. And I was wondering if maybe I could exchange it for a female rubber bunny because, um, you know, he gets jealous. Like every time we go to the range, I don't bring him. Instead, I I bring my rubber buddy, but he just gets so jealous. So I was wondering if you had a female rubber buddy because then maybe he wouldn't get as jealous. I, am I being recorded? Is this like a like oh, a no, 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 absolutely not. I was just wondering if you okay, if, because the 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 it's, they're not rubber buddies; they're rubber dummies. Okay? Well, I don't like to call and, my buddy a dummy. Well, the the idea behind the dummy is it's a target for you to shoot at. It's not a companion for you to take to the range. Mm, 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 no. Well, the the idea behind it is that it's a target. To help people with concealed carry permits, um, self-defense training, the law enforcement, military, those so kind it, of guys use it. it so it helps me use the POV lanes? What's that? It helps me use the POV lane? I wouldn't suggest that because if you were to do that, you could get a ticket because <laughs> it's not a live person. Oh, I was just hoping that maybe it helped me to get to the range faster. Okay, hold on. Let me put my husband on the phone. Honey! Okay. Honey! Hello? Hello. Uh, hello. So my wife bought the rubber buddy, and the problem is, is that uh, she's been taken into the range, and it's just not—it's not telling her what she needs to change. She's 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 not a good shot between you and I, to be perfectly honest. The problem is, is that this thing is like, uh, look, it, it's got abs, and I haven't had abs since I was fourteen. I feel a little bit threatened, but if we had the rubber buddy that was in the female version, that would be also great for me as well. Well, well, Malcolm, I don't make a female version, but Malcolm, is this some kind of a of a <laughs> prank call or something? I'm sorry, what? I, I almost feel like this is some kind of a prank call. A prank call? What is that? Like a joke? I'm sorry, sir. Do you think that our, our trials and tribulations are a joke? <laughs> no, I don't. However, I don't understand how, why you would think that the rubber dummy is going to help facilitate um, helping your wife become a better shot. So here's the thing. She goes to the range. The guys all tell her, hey, do this, do that, do that, do that. And it really intimidates her because, honestly, I don't really allow her to speak to, to other men. Uh, so when we bought the rubber buddy, uh, she took it to the range because that she thought that that would stop the other guys from talking to her and help her become a better shooter and more proficient, to be perfectly honest. Um, is that not the intention of your product? No. Okay, well, so I think we've had a, a, a very bad misunderstanding. Uh, we've only shot about 200 rounds of Blazer Brass through it. Now, uh, will you take a return on that? Because I, I've, uh, to be perfectly honest, it's making me look stupid, and uh, it's not helping her. Like, what, what's your return policy? If, you're, if the dummy's not talking to you when you're shooting, if he's not expressing, you know, how to, how to generate trigger control and how to keep your shots on bullseye, then... Um, Maybe you just got a defective one. That that very well could be. So what do we do in that case? My feeling on that is you might want to have, oh, I don't know. Can you hang on one second for me? Absolutely, sir. <laughs> and then we got disconnected, and then he called me back, and he's all, Sean? 
No. <laughs> <laughs> no, he called me back, so I answered. He was like, what's your last name? And I was all... Uh, and we were like, okay, we just kidding. <laughs> well, okay, so here's what I thought was funny. Nobody ever said Malcolm, and he called you Malcolm. Uh, so, Did you notice oh, that? No, that's... we actually edited out just a little bit. Oh, yeah. okay. He asked our names, and I was all, "It's Malcolm and Gertrude." <laughs> He's like, "Yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't ask what your name was." It actually it went on a little bit longer, but we didn't want to bore you guys, so we had to edit it here and there. Uh, we're just idiots. And then I think finally he's like, all right, dumb fucks. We'll just, I'll give you, I'll play along. Yep. You got a defective one. Yeah, if it's not telling you how to shoot better, it must be defective. Uh, thank you to Mike Lesnick and Rubber Dummies. That was, uh, he's a good sport and it was it was really fun. We, we enjoyed ourselves. Ava, what is next? I don't know. What is next? Drinking? I, oh, wait, we're still doing the show. Uh, let's see. Um, let's talk about something that I got. All right, and I think that Lance might have some input on this. I think so. Tactic Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. So recently, somebody on Instagram, they sent me this uh, this holster for a tourniquet, and I wanted to know what your thoughts were. Because I've heard different thoughts. So I've heard that if the tourniquet is exposed, especially to sun, that it's less likely to work. I've heard there, others say that it I, I've heard that as well, that uh, that there's a possibility that could break down. Uh-huh. Um, the, the rigid tourniquet is something, a rigid, rigid tourniquet holder. Uh, if, if you're doing training or if you're in a situation where you roll over on it, uh, they're uncomfortable. It's like it's like a hard holster, yeah. uh, just like for your sidearm. Um, I always recommend kydex but uh for the tourniquet i want it to move a little bit the tourniquet itself is soft uh you know especially with the cat it's flexible i want something that actually moves with it okay so but as far as it being exposed to sun if i had this holster which is made out of kydex and then on the back it has uh different types of locking which um the the, the customer whoever's buying it could could get either a what is it a tech lock and a or a molly lock yeah, so those are the blade tech, Molly. 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 Yeah. Um, so, so what would you say? Well, I mean, is this, would you say that this is uh, something that if civilians, if they liked carrying, would you recommend this? Or could it could it uh, possibly, you know, decrease the effectiveness of the tourniquet? Well, anything that keeps it close to you is going to be good. Let's be honest. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't care if it's a set of rubber bands or, you know, a paper clip that's holding it onto your body. I'm, having the tourniquet's important. Uh, going into the efficacy of, of what you have there, I'd be curious because I'm not in, in contact with it. Is it is it Kydex? Is it going to hold up to heat? Is it going to hold up to, um, you know, is it able to drain moisture out of it? Like what what what's really the, the composition of it? I mean, it may be great. Um, my thing is if this gets exposed to a little bit of heat, does it lose its ability to hold the tourniquet and the thing falls out? Yeah, so on, on this one specifically, so it is Kydex, it is formed, it's uh, taco style, but open, so water could drain out of it. It has two rubber bands that we'll actually need to test and make sure that the, the rubber bands are going to hold up, because if you roll over on a rock or something, does it cut that band, uh, which would obviously have the tourniquet fall out. Um, but I guess, you know, exposure to the elements is something that, that is always a concern to me, and I, I don't think the average civilian is going to be out in the elements often enough. You know, more more so, it's someone who's constantly training, someone who's actually maybe deployed in the field and is out in the sun every single day. Um, but I always say, what's what's your life worth? You know, do you keep it exposed? Do you do you completely cover it up? 
Uh, do you take the risk that sun, water, whatever uh, environmental factors are going on might damage it? Or do you just, you know, whatever you'll actually use is the best way to carry it? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to get a hold of it and abuse it. You know, um, I, any, like as I said, I'd love to sing praises of things that work, uh, but I won't hesitate to uh, to let everybody know if it doesn't. And I think that's one of the things that that people are going to look for uh, in a review of the of the gear is, you know, can I beat this thing up? And when at the end of the day, is my tourniquet still in there? And two, can I get it out of there? You know, I mean, if it, if it's trapped in there, eh, it looks like it pops out pretty easy. Yeah, it yeah. does. It's um, actually it's, it is yeah. pretty well made. Uh, and if you're interested, so um, he has an Instagram and a Facebook page. Website is coming along, but it is by uh, it's by Vern Miller, and you can find him at VM Forming on Instagram. And awesome. he sells these for thirty dollars. If you want, uh, just for the black ones, if you want a color or some sort of design in the Kydex, it's a little bit more. And then you have the choice of the different bands and uh, the locking devices on the on the back. Yeah, see, the customizable is going to be going to be a big part of that. You know, everybody wants to accessorize, and the more likely you are to to have this attached to your bag or your equipment because mm-hmm. you can customize it, the more likely you're going to have a tourniquet with you. Yeah. So yeah, I like I like that aspect. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, two screws pops these uh, Blade Tech Molly straps on so you can put just a belt clip on whatever you want and uh, carry it. So, yeah, I think uh, the quality actually is really good. I was looking at the quality. Uh, The quality is fantastic. So, yeah, we'll just we'll test it out. We'll roll in the dirt a little bit or I I guess I'll roll in the dirt a little bit (laughs) on these rubber bands and see. uh, uh, And they're they're not like everyday rubber bands. They, They are rubber. So we'll see how well they hold up to rocks and. I'm sure that Ava will try to blow me up or something like that. <laughs> Not see, Ava. What do you mean try? <laughs> oh, wait. That was supposed to be an accident. <laughs> see how well it holds up to the gummy worm. That's going to be the <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> that gummy worm could destroy nations. Put the gummy worm in the dirt with you. Roll around with it. I don't want to. You might eat it. I don't want to eat it after it has dirt on it. No, that's not true. Isn't your favorite snack Shush. like the worms with the, the dirt and the... But the dirt is cookies. <laughs> All right. So Lance, I know you're a firearms instructor. So this next uh, this next segment might be of interest as well. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. Sean, why don't you go ahead and read one of our listeners' questions? Josh W. asks, I would like advice from a professional trainer. I'm right-handed but was born blind in my right eye. Growing up, I would shoot long guns with my father. When I was little, I would try and shoot right-handed but always had to hold my head funny to see down the scopes. So after time, I just started shooting left-handed. You like edited it and it like threw my whole thing off. So I lost track. (laughs) Well, I got a handgun and a carry permit for personal protection, but I'm still fairly new to uh, I'm still a fairly new handgun shooter. So I'm wondering, should I use my right hand with a handgun? Does it matter as much? Using my left hand to holster and draw just doesn't feel comfortable. With long guns, speed wasn't an issue. Also, are you a fan of lasers on carry weapons? All right. So let's backtrack. Uh, so I'm wondering, do you think it was a good idea to take a large swig of whiskey before you drink or before you read that? <laughs> I don't know. Let me tell you. Uh, survey says. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Great. Perfect. All right. So uh, Sean and I actually talked about this when I first got the email and we both came to a disagreement on it. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sean, why don't you go ahead and say what your thoughts on this are? 
All right. So my thoughts are you do what works best for you. I have worked at a place uh, instructing for quite a long time where the, the chief instructor, if you were left eye dominant, he would make you shoot left handed. I have seen people cry and rail at the system and sob and go off the line and be sad. But every single time out of thousands of students that, that did this, every one of them excelled by switching to left-handed shooting. And yeah, it sucks. You have to buy new holsters. You have to do different things. But by not battling their physiology, I think they did better. Do I completely agree with that? Maybe. I think that... Don't even. It's either right or left. Black or white. Let's go. I mean, you're not gonna look, if, no. If I was blind, first of all, you are very adamant in your look answer. Look at him sugarcoating it. Yeah. <laughs> now you're like, well, you know, maybe a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Da, da, da. Like, because no. because I've seen it work so many times, I think it's the right answer, and, and that is purely not something that that is in my mind. That is because I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen people that were left eye dominant that had a, a vision impairment in their right eye that were that were right handed. I've seen them excel over and over and over again. So while, you know, my my heart tells me no, my my brain and what I've seen with my eyes tells me yes. What were your thoughts? <laughs> oh, thank God you're done. So, I was falling asleep. Uh, I would say. <laughs> so I would say that, um, you know, if you're right handed, for one, the firearm industry doesn't cater to people that are left handed. So if you're right handed to begin with, you're already it's giving you an advantage. Um if you're not shooting rifle and if you're shooting, you know, handgun and you are blind in your right eye at the end of the day, I don't think that it's a huge, you know, it's not going to, it's not, it's going to be much easier to shoot than if you were shooting rifle. Um, because I know that if I had to shoot left-handed and I'm right-handed, that is going to be more difficult for me to overcome than training myself to, you know, to see with, my non-dominant eye and most people when you're shooting in defensive situations you're gonna have both eyes open anyways so I will say that uh, when I started shooting I was left eye dominant and I was like nope not gonna shoot left-handed so I faked it and I I, over a year I trained myself to become right eye dominant but with handguns I don't think that it's that important you're not if you were shooting a rifle then yes it's gonna be difficult because you have to bend your you know your neck awkwardly and try to use your dominant eye but with handguns you know, I mean, the only disadvantage that I could really see with him being right eye dominant and right handed is his peripheral vision. You know, there is that loss there when you're drawing from your holster. But if you practice enough, I think that, you know, it, it won't be an issue. All right. I think we I think we have argued enough. Let's go to Lance and get his opinion. <laughs> Well, I want to start off by saying that only a Sith deals in absolutes. So I'm going to side with Sean. Um, Boom. That uh, yep. Now, I mean, screw you and your guests. Yeah, no, you, <laughs> hang on, time out. But you just tried to sugarcoat your answer yeah, before you exactly, actually gave us your exactly. answer. Exactly. Lacey. You want to sugarcoat it? You want some coffee with that sugar, honey? L- Lacey from the Lane family, why don't you just shut the hell up? <laughs> All right, Lance, go ahead. All right, Lancey Pantsy, let's I'm, go. I'm going to go with Sean. Uh, that I have seen time and time again that people that that, that fight against the concept of using the dominant eye, use, you know, left eye dominant, left handed, right eye dominant, right handed, uh, they shoot cross dominant and you do start getting this, you know, uh, you can see it. It's what we look for uh, when we're working the range on someone that's having problems with marksmanship. But the big question comes, what does he tend to use the handgun for? Is he going down the path of defensive shooting? Uh, is he going down the path of marksmanship? Is he going to be shooting Bianchi cup? Is he going to be shooting NRA bullseye? 
well, it's going to make a big difference. He said it's concealed carry, so yeah. defensive, I would yeah. assume. Yeah. So I'm going to go that um, I would encourage to shoot with the other hand. I would encourage to shoot on the, the well, what is now the dominant eye. Uh, but if it becomes too much of a hurdle to cross, you know, give them the opportunity to go to uh, – you know, try both sides, see which one works best. I mean, that's that's going to be the big things. We know as a firearms instructor, we don't teach dogma. We, we teach technique. So if if he just can't get the hang of uh, the left-handed shooting, and it is, it, you're, you're, already, um, you're already in an uphill battle. Everything's set up for the right side. You know, the, you know, you look at your Glocks or your SIG, some of them am- ambidextrous, but, you know, Gen 3 and below, everything's set up for a right-handed shooter. And the slide and lock, it's, uh, too. Is yeah, it's going to be, what's that trade? It's a... Yeah, you know. Yeah, it is tough. At the end of the day. <laughs> Ultimately. <laughs> <laughs> so you basically, you know, I mean, with practice, you can really, you know, you can succeed at, at really anything if there's enough practice and will to succeed. So I would say that whatever you ultimately decide to do, just make sure that you practice and that you are, you know, sufficient in doing so. Yep. I mean, honestly, with scotch tape and stubbornness, I trained myself to be right eye dominant. And honestly, with the same scotch tape and stubbornness, I hang out with Ava all the time. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> awesome pity party. <laughs> all right. Excellent stuff. Thank you very much. Uh, Lacey, I want you to read today's iTunes review. Can I just can I just jump in on that last statement? Though? Uh, yeah. Did you ever stop to think that maybe it's harder for Ava to hang out with you? <laughs> Lacey. Okay. Do you ever think that maybe there's a reason why I drink so much? <laughs> all right. On to iTunes. I wasn't yeah. calling you and an Lacey, alcoholic. But. Lacey, I already have all the faith in the world that you're going to read it better than Sean read that guy's question. Cause... Well, I didn't swig the whiskey first. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Even if you were sober, let's face you, it. You've got a second grade education. Let's hear what you got. <laughs> all right. So five stars from AK. 47 shooter the title is sean is the man that's right oh my goodness i'm already throwing up in my mouth this guy (laughs) it's someone who's smart as shit and probably left eye dominant shooting left-handed oh my god but he shoots ak's (laughs) (laughs) so i don't think (laughs) anywho (laughs) gun funny is like the charlie's angels of the gun world sean has surrounded himself with some women that have a lot of gun experience the ladies do all the work but we know the show is really about Sean. That's true. <laughs> Sean does a great job with all the techie stuff and has a lot of gun knowledge. Sean is very funny on the prank calls and never makes himself look stupid. Great job, Sean. And in parentheses, you've been pranked, Ava. I don't understand if this I, was like mm. ironic or... <laughs> I was like, first of all, I've been... I've been pranked, Ava. I was like, did I write this? I was <laughs> That's what I was sleeping. thinking. <laughs> Except, do you shoot AK-47s? I, like, I feel like you're being mocked a little bit, Sean. I feel like you're being mocked. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I'm the Charlie of this situation. And uh, angels, I need a back rub. <laughs> you better pull out those coupons that you got for your birthday. <laughs> Oh, that was hilarious. Can we just talk about that for a second? Sure, let's do that. So tell him, so you got an envelope. I got a, I got two envelopes uh, at my birthday party, and uh, a couple of the girls gave me envelopes. Which, and- wait, can I just say that I, at Sean's birthday party, I invited all of my friends, because Sean doesn't have any. <laughs> oh, what about Ben? Oh, yeah, Ben's your friend. Yeah, no, totally. 
He said he would have been here, but you didn't invite him. So way to go. Um, so anyway, I got some envelopes. And when I opened them up, it was like a couple's massage for Lacey and Ava. And then I was like, OK. And I handed that away. And then the other one was like, couple's massage for Kristen and Ava. And I was like, well, this is the worst birthday ever. <laughs> All right, excellent stuff. So, hey, we pick a winner from our reviews every single week. What does the winner win, Ava? I knew you were going to ask me that. And <laughs> right. just as I was asking myself that, you asked me that. I think they so win. So, what do you think they should win? Uh, don't they win a gun funny magnet? Maybe a couple's massage. <laughs> a couple's massage for the winner of this and Lacey. Lacey and Ava get another couple's massage. But you can hold on to the certificate. Great, thanks. Uh, so Kay Harrington, Three Gun Wins, uh, Shenanigans is the title of this review. Ava, why don't you read it? Great new podcast. I love the lighthearted and honest approach to reviews for shooters and the industry. You are doing an awesome job, Ava. I really like <laughs> <laughs> Okay, editorializing. <laughs> you are doing an awesome job. I really like the deconstructing the industry. Awesome. So Kay Harrington, Three Gun. Contact uh, us. We're going to find something to give you, and it's going to be a little bit better than a magnet, but we will include a gun funny magnet. You also there. get this sticker from Patriot Patch Company. <laughs> <laughs> and a high point. Oh, yay. In a taco holster. Yes, in a, in a Yokiro Taco Bell holster. All right. Ava, let's wrap this up. Yeah, let's. So for the... <laughs> oh, okay. Who's going to wrap it up? Did I get a promotion? Okay. I'm the host now. This is my show. <laughs> oh, remember, it was it's already about, your show. It's all about Sean. It is all about me. Hey, look, you can find us at gunfunny.com as well as on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, etc. You can find us on the Firearms Radio Network at firearmsradio.tv, which will very soon be adding the Platinum 10 Medical Podcast. Lance, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, very, very excellent interview. Thank you so much. Again, it was my pleasure, and thanks for having me on. Love it. You can find him at Platinum10.com. You can find us all of those places I mentioned. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Go there. Uh, go to YouTube. Watch the video that Ava and I did for Halloween. Uh, she blew me up just because I was trying to take a nap because I did all the work and I was tired. He ate too many snacks and he got <sighs> lethargic and he just passed out. Can we not talk about that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and check it out. We we do Patreon in the show. Uh, donate to the show. Get access to our Patreon-only Facebook page. And depending on your level of donation, you can get access to our Gun Funny Snapchat, exclusive limited edition t-shirts, a shout-out on the show, a raffle, even an opportunity to be a guest on the show. But we just got a $25 a month Patreon, and we have to say his name. I think it's Italian. What is his name? Uh, that's a really good question. It's like, <laughs> Corbion Bonafai. I thought it was... Corbin Bonafide. What did you think it was, Lacey? Um, I thought it was Corbin Bonafide. Oh, well, okay. maybe. Well, every show, we're just going to call him something different, and maybe one day we'll hit the nail on the head. Maybe. Maybe we should prank call him and ask him what his name is. <laughs> uh, hello, uh, my name is uh, my name is Archibald, and I was calling to find out what your name is because we say Bonafide, but I think that it's probably Bonafide, but I really don't know. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up. Platinum 10, you can find us at gunfunny.com. Uh, thank you to everyone for being here, and we are out. Want to send feedback? Suggest a place to prank call? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.